You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest Birds Banter podcast presented to you by PHL Sports Nation and sponsored by Anchor. My name is Matt Loopy. I'm joined with Logan Banker today. And, you know, it's another disappointing week for the Eagles. They've fallen to three and four on the season with that heartbreaking blowout loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And obviously, it's never fun to see a loss to the Cowboys, but the Cowboys did take over first in the NFC East. So, Eagles really need to step things up if they want to, you know, compete in the division and the NFL itself. So uh, a lot of things that need to be touched up and ultimately the players just aren't playing well, Um, you know, offense and defense. There's a lot of holes in the roster. Obviously the injuries are taking a toll on this team, but there's many positions that could use a much needed boost. And honestly, there's problems all across the board that it's just a lot to solve. If the Eagles want to become a contender again, and um, the trade deadline is quickly approaching. We're about a week away and Harry Roseman and the Eagles might want to look into adding some outside talent or even selling some of their own players to, you know, get them back on track and prepare for the next season. Um, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about a couple of trade candidates for the Eagles team. We mentioned Jalen Ramsey, who was obviously traded to the Rams shortly after. We got Chris Harris Jr. and Bud Dupree uh, as options. Chris Harris Jr. is still an option out there. There's a little bit of uh, speculation tied to him, but um, Justine Anderson did report today that he doesn't think a trade is possible. So really don't know how that's going to um, fare with the Eagles and the Broncos. But another couple of names are Patrick Peterson, the cornerback for the Cardinals. The Eagles have been tied to him last season, so might try to go for him once again. It is reported that the Eagles offered a first-round pick and Nelson Aguilar for the cornerback and Robbie Anderson, the speedy wide receiver for the Jets, um, could be brought in for a, a boost to the wide receiver core and have that speed threat with Deshaun Jackson absent. So there's a lot to consider ahead of this trade deadline if the Eagles should make a move, if they shouldn't, or if they should sell their own players. Logan, what do you think? Yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack here. Uh, anytime you really start, three and four, everything's on the table. You could either buy, you could do nothing, or you could sell. For me personally, just knowing um, the nature of Harry Roseman and Doug Peterson, I kind of think selling's off the table. I don't think they can go trading away all their good pieces just to stockpile picks. I think um, they're all in agreement that they think they're close. They're only a game out of the division. They're right there where they can easily turn it around and be right there. If you look uh, look back to last year, they were four and four going to the trade deadline, and that very well could be the case this week. If they get a win against Buffalo, it'll be 4-4 four and four, um, just a few days before the trade deadline. So if they're able to get that win against the Bills, they're going to be right there. So I don't think they could necess- they would necessarily sell, but I also don't know if they would be um, as willing to pay a high price to get um, a high-value uh, player like Patrick Peterson because they're not really in a good position to go buying really high, selling a ton of picks for a guy where – you have so many holes that even if you trade for Patrick Peterson, that's not going to fix your receiver spot, not going to fix the defensive line. So there's a lot to consider. So for me, I would say it's most likely either they just stand pat, maybe maybe do like a small trade where you package a player and a pick for another guy who fills a hole for you. But I, I, I don't think it's going to be as big of a traded line as some people expect. I don't think they're going to sell everyone. I also don't think they're going to make a really gigantic trade that's going to really uh, shake things up. Yeah, I think they, if the Eagles had um, one or two more wins on the season, they could be more inclined to make a bigger trade for, say, Patrick Peterson or go out and get a premier wide receiver, something of that nature, to improve the team because they're, they might have been one step away. But, I mean, now after that loss to the Cowboys, you're looking at help um, at wide receiver, defensive line, cornerback, linebacker. It's all across the board, and um, the Eagles don't have – enough picks and they have too much confidence in their team just to ship everything away all their future picks just to invest in a couple of players that 
might not even pan out. You know, it's never guaranteed. We saw what happened with Golden Tate last year. He did have a couple nice plays for the Eagles, but ultimately the trade just wasn't worth it. Um, I personally think they stay put or make a low level trade. I'm agreeing with Logan here. Um, I think the two top needs are a wide receiver, a cornerback, and those obviously um, are the two highest needs for this team because cornerback, they just get um, toasted every single game. doesn't matter who they're going against. The quarterback always have great games because they can just pick it apart. It doesn't matter that they're getting, they got Jalen Mills back. It doesn't matter that they're getting Craven LeBlanc back, Sidney Jones and Ronald Darby are um, near full health. It doesn't matter that they're coming back to um, a full group because it just isn't working. And wide receiver, who knows what Deshaun Jackson is going through right now. Um, it's been reported that he was close to playing before Minnesota, then Dallas, then now it looks like he's not even going to play against the Bills. So honestly, I don't think we see him before the bye week. And if the Eagles are just going to throw away a couple of games before the bye week, if they lose to the Bills and the Bears, their season is looking almost over, especially if the Cowboys string another win or two together. So if they can get an instant um, impact receiver, specifically a speed receiver um, ahead of the deadline that would definitely help them out but I'm saying no to any top picks because the Eagles just aren't in a place to sell their future of the team because there's so many needs so many issues around this team including the coaching staff the player personnel everything Um, they have to fix that before they invest in a top player that they're going to invest a top round pick on yeah for sure a lot of people seem to be frustrated with you know the anonymous source thing people just kind of calling everyone out. You know, you got the Lane Johnson thing where he says players are being late to practices and meetings. And then you have Doug Peterson, you got Malcolm Jenkins, you got Brandon Graham all saying that Lane's wrong. So there's a lot of really weird stuff going on, but I don't think the Eagles are just going to clean house and get rid of all that toxic stuff. I think they feel they can fix it themselves and um, get themselves on track. And if you listen to what Doug Peterson says in his press conferences to him or for what he's saying, it kind of seems more like, they almost want to go after a defensive line guy where they can get help in the pass rush because they are without Malik Jackson for the year. They don't really know when Tim Jernigan will be back. Um, and Brandon Graham, Derek Brandon, they played well, but it's not the same as last year where you had you were four deep on uh, the defensive end spot, having guys that could um, get to the pass rush. And that's what made the Eagles defense so great in years past is their ability to get to the quarterback, um, just really disrupt everything. Because if you have a good pass rush, that, that'll at least help out your secondary and they will be getting Craven LeBlanc, uh, LeBlanc back soon. Monte Maddox maybe this week look more like next week. So they do have the help coming. It's not the big name guys that some people want. It's not Jalen Ramsey, but it, it is still help. So I, I agree they should probably – I think the biggest issue is wide receiver because Carson Wentz really doesn't have anyone to throw to. Um, it doesn't really seem like there's too many guys available there. Um, Jason Lockenfora said A.J. Green could be half for a first-round pick. I would say no to that just because – of his age and his um injury problems, but yeah, there's it. It's gonna be a very weird trade deadline. Um, I just don't see a lot of movement happening. Yeah, another player to throw out there is Nigel Bradham. He should be coming back from a uh, um, injury soon, so the defense should be at you know full strength eventually with uh, Tim Jernigan returning and those defensive backs as well. But um, you just don't know if they're going to be coming to full strength. And you know the Eagles' philosophy is building throughout the line, so. If, they think that they can improve the defense um, just by ad- adding a defensive lineman. Then I think that would be the move that they would make on the defense because it would just make everything look better rather than um, trying to solve all the problems with you know one cornerback. So if there is something that happens on the defense, I think defensive line is the most likely. Uh, but just to go back to the Eagles selling, I don't think that they will. But after the game against Dallas, I was trying to list a few players that the Eagles could consider um, trading away that would actually give them, um, you know, some type of return because, you know, it's not going to be flashy to trade, um, you know, someone like Alex Singleton or somebody that's like barely on the roster and you're not going to get anything for him. Uh, I try to think of a few big names on the team that they could try to trade away um, to, you know, prepare for the future of this team. And although I'm not happy with every single name on this list, I just thought of it as a business perspective and from the team's eyes. Obviously, the first two are a little bit easier easier Nelson Aguilar and Sidney Jones Nelson Aguilar he just hasn't been producing this year hasn't been producing all of his career honestly I mean 2017 and 18 it did have pretty good seasons but it wasn't enough to be the first round pick label 
school. And this year he's really struggling, drops, fumbles, and that deep ball with Carson Wentz late in the game against Dallas is just inexcusable. He didn't put any effort into it. I don't care what he says and tries to blame it on Wentz. Um, that just was terrible to see. And I think at this point it's time to end that project. He's at $9 million, uh, and some change this year. And I don't want the Eagles to re-sign him because he's going to want similar money, I would imagine. So just get rid of him and get something in return while you can. Same thing with Sidney Jones. He's never been healthy, and it's kind of bizarre now. I mean, he was healthy last game, but they were more inclined to start Craig James and Orlando Skandrick over Sidney Jones. So I really don't know what his place is with this team. And same situation, get something out of him while you can. And two other names that are on the list are um, Brandon Graham. We talked about him a couple weeks ago about how he's playing really well this season I agree but with Brandon Graham I don't think his value is ever going to be higher and um, he, he's locked into a lot of money in the future you could just sacrifice the defensive line for this year just to get um, you know some cap relief and a little bit of uh, some draft capital as well but another player similar situation is Rodney McLeod and you know um, that I've been harping on how how well he's playing Similar situation. I don't think his value is ever going to be higher. He's in a contract year. You might be spending a lot of money on him when you should be drafting a safety next year. So those are some bigger names that you could throw out there to other teams and see if they would be interested. Because if the Eagles get a good offer, then I don't think they would fully turn down and say that a bunch of players are untouchable. Yeah, it's it's a really fine line because I don't think the team's just going to give up on the future too because they very well could be a team that is in Super Bowl contention next year i mean who knows maybe this year they somehow get there but i think you have to be at least somewhat realistic i think if they were to trade anyone in that group it would definitely be either nelson Aglor or Sidney jones um i would think it'd be something more like where they attach one of the players with a pick to try to get someone at the same position of a higher caliber so maybe you trade nelson Aglor and a fourth round pick for maybe aj green maybe the Bengals would be willing to uh, sign Nelson Aguilar long-term, but that's just completely um, just freestyling it right there. I, I'm not sure if that's even a realistic thing, but it, I, I don't think they would just – they realistically should be willing to trade an expiring contract because we know the Eagles won't re-sign Nelson Aguilar to a $9 million contract. His production just not there. With Sidney Jones, um, the fact that he's not even playing over Craig James, that's pretty bad. I mean, they spent a second-round pick on him, and they, they really invest in him, and they're not using him, so – if another team thinks that they're willing to think that they're able to take him in and really make him a good player, they could at least get value back. So theoretically, they should be willing to do that. But I don't think Callie Roseman will ever be one of those guys where he just trades players away just to trade them, get picks back because he's always going to be a win now and win now mode. And um, even if it's kind of neglecting, arrogant, however you want to call it, that's how he's going to be. And I think it'll be very similar this year. I don't think he'll just trade away Nelson Aguilar and Sidney Jones just for a pick and just kind of tank this year. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of the team with Harry Roseman, Doug Peterson, and Carson Wentz to compete and you know play with what you have. And even if they're down three and four on the season, still have optimism that they're going to come back and bounce back. And I'm completely okay with that. I support them having that confidence and try to turn things around if they have you know the pieces together that they think that they need and um, are at a good state in the locker room on the field that they're going to you know make another run for the playoffs. But at the same time. It's it would be pretty hard to turn down a good offer for a player like Nelson Aguilar just because he hasn't been playing too well. And I wouldn't say that would consider them tanking because, like Logan said, if you're going to you know flip him for a better receiver, then your group is going to improve overall. Or you can give somebody like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I know he's not the same type of receiver as Nelson, but um, you give him a second-round pick, more opportunity to invest in this offense and play to his capabilities because we really haven't seen anything out of him this year and if you want to plan for the future um, I would take the pick for Aguilar and try to develop a receiver in-house or trade for another one uh, I think they'd be in better um, better company doing that because Wentz just isn't connecting with Aguilar and it's just frustrating to see every single week yeah for sure I think just I don't know with JJ Ortega Whiteside the fact that he can't even get time over Matt Collins, it's kind of, for me, at least a big warning sign for this year where you don't want to trade away Nelson Aguilar. I know he's not producing, but he and Wentz at least are familiar with each other, where Carson Wentz and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, 
I'm not really sure how much, if at all, they practice together where Matt Collins is at least getting some time with the ones where J.J. Ortega-Whiteside hardly ever plays. So you don't want to have to throw Carson Wentz out there with, say, the offensive line gets banged up, and then you have a really bad receiving core where you have Alshon Jeffrey and then just a bunch of guys while Deshaun Jackson still Zach Ertz isn't producing. You got Dallas Goddard, but he's kind of hit or miss every game. I'm not sure you want to really put your star quarterback, your franchise quarterback that you signed over $100 million in that kind of situation. So for me, if I'm trading Aguilar, I mean, if they get offered, say, a second or third round pick, you're going to be really putting high Roseman on the spot. And I'm not sure if I would, I don't know what I'd do if I, if that was offered that if it was a second round, I would definitely say yes, but you don't want to have to put your quarterback in that situation where he's just out there because he has to be out there, but you're not really helping him out. Um, if they lose against the bills in the three and five, that's a lot different of a story um, just because the schedule ahead and everything. But yeah, I don't know. It's really tough. Um, I think if J.J. Ortega-Whiteside showed them more, I'd be more inclined to trade Nelson Aguilar. But you can't really trust anyone behind Alshon Jeffrey if uh, you were to trade any receiver. Yeah, it's a really tough situation because, honestly, you can see benefit from doing all three of these options, trading for, trading away, or staying put. Um, realistically, I think a deal will be done just because it's the nature of this team. Like I said, they want to compete, and if they think getting back into contention is trading for one or two players and getting back up there, competing with the Cowboys, competing with the rest of the NFC, then they're going to go ahead and do that as long as it's for the right price, as long as it's not you know costing them too much um, player-wise, draft pick-wise. So I would look for a trade to happen, but I don't think it's going to be flashy. The Eagles were in a much better place when they were considering you know Jalen Ramsey and a player like that. Um, you know, Other players' names that haven't really had a lot of um, traction to him, but just like kind of thrown around there, like someone like Von Miller, that's going to cost a lot. Eagles aren't in a place to invest into older players. That's the knock on this team right now. They're the second oldest roster in the NFL, and yeah, their young core is um, on the younger side, but you can't be investing high picks into veterans that uh, may not give you enough potential this year, and then you're sacrificing your future because of it. So. I really don't um, agree with trading for older players as long as it's um, unless it's for a really reasonable price and they're going to compete uh, immediately this year. So it's a tough situation. I think something will get done, but you can't really understand what they're going to do. I think um, you know wide receiver, cornerback, or defensive line are the top priorities, but obviously all three positions are not going to be fulfilled. Yeah, we're we're kind of in the same boat on that one. Um, I, there's a narrative that Harry Roseman is a bad drafter. If you look at the late round picks, I would agree with you, but first and second round picks for the most part, he's been pretty good with that. So I definitely wouldn't want to trade away those picks just for one player because it's not going to pay off in then concerning the state of the team. I want to ask you this though, if they lose to the Bills Sunday, do you think they should even bother making a trade or should they still do it knowing that they're three and five and maybe a trade sparks the team? I just don't see like how I said, um, I don't want to give up top picks and you agree with me there I don't see a player that's going to come into this organization for a third or fourth round pick and turn the entire season around they tried to do that with Golden Tate last year with the third round pick and um, honestly I would argue that there's a lot a lot longer list of players than uh, Golden Tate that turned the season around you know Nick Foles included so that's a tough situation if they're three and five especially Actually, um, uh, the Cowboys aren't a buy, so that wouldn't really affect it. But say the Cowboys were playing this week and they got a win, the Eagles are now two games back, then I would not be trading four players. You can't sacrifice your future for a race that might get out of hand very quickly. Yeah, I definitely agree. If you're three and five, and then you got the Bears the next week where that defense is really good, who knows how the offense would play? Then you got the buy, maybe Deshaun Jackson comes back. Then you got the Patriots. I mean, Tom Brady's going to have a field day with that secondary. Even mm-hmm. even if they get Craven LeBlanc back, even if they get Avanti Maddox back, even if Ronald Darby's 100%, I mean, <laughs> we saw what he did to pretty much the same secondary in the Super Bowl. It's not going to be any different. And then you got Seattle where Russell Wilson's an MVP candidate. You're three and five. Like, even if you trade for Chris Harris, I don't think that that's going to do anything for you because you're maybe at best going to come out of that stretch. What? Um, so that would be 10 games. So maybe five and five at best. Ah, it's tough. And the Cowboys, they have a difficult schedule, but I don't know how well you'd be able to keep up with them. So I think Sunday really will go a long way to how they should handle it. Um, 
Howie Roseman's unpredictable. So maybe if they lose, he still makes a trade. Because if you look at the Cowboys last year, they were 3-5 and five in trade for Amari Cooper. But they also kind of weren't playing the way the Eagles were. They're really out of sync. There's just so much wrong going on that if you're 3-5, and five, you're almost wasting your time and wasting your assets to make any trade. I'd rather just stock up on the players and go from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said earlier, they're just not in a position to trade that high draft pick because there's so many more issues to be fixed. I think we both agree on that. Um, it goes from the coaching staff, the drafting personnel. Everything needs to be shored up before they're going to bring in top talent. Um, honestly, at this point, if they even landed Jalen Ramsey, I would be excited to have him on the team initially, but I'd be pretty upset having him on board now if the Eagles were sitting at 3-4 and four with Ramsey as their starting cornerback, knowing that um, they would be considering signing him to a long-term deal over the offseason because if they're not going to go ahead and change up their defensive scheme, get a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, whatever whatever it may be, they're just wasting that money, they're wasting the talent, they're wasting two first-round picks, and the... Um, Draft mar- or the trade market is pretty high right now because we saw Muhammad Sanu get moved for a second round pick. Obviously, the Patriots are it, it's a that's an easy choice for them because they're doing so well. If they think that's going to set them apart even more, then by all means go do it. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is moved for him and a fifth round pick. We're moved for a third and a fourth. That's pretty pricey for him. So you don't know what the market is going to be. I know how Roseman is a good negotiator, but. It's pretty high right now, and the Eagles should be um, in a place where they want to keep their picks for the future. I'm not saying um, have the season be a wash, but you know, if it's not working out, um, compete as much as you can this year, but look forward to next year and try to improve that drafting. Yeah, I want to touch back on that, the Jalen Ramsey point because it almost seems like people are still talking about it. Um, obviously, he's with the Rams now, but say the Eagles had Jalen Ramsey for the Vikings game. Um, both Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen had big games. So even if you put Jalen Ramsey on one of, one of them, that's not going to solve your pro- your issues too much because you still have the other guy they have to account for. And if any any of those guys, they're not capable of stopping either of those receivers. So even if you have Jalen Ramsey, you're still going to have the same problem. So I think that's just a good example of showing that even if you do bring in a big, big-time player, maybe it sparks sparks excitement, but excitement can only get you so far. Adrenaline can only get you so far. You have to actually go on the field and be able to produce and execute and everything and bring in Patrick Peterson, maybe trade for A.J. Green. It's just a Band-Aid to what's the bigger problem. Then when you come to the draft, you're sitting there saying, oh, we really need a receiver. We really need a defensive tackle. And then you're sitting there and you don't have a pick in the first three rounds. It's like, oh, I guess we're just going to have the same problem again. So I think that's just a good example of showing that even if the Eagles make a big-time trade, um, I think we both agree that I'm still not feeling too confident both this year and years to come because it'll help, but the problem almost will drag on for longer because they won't be able to recoup the other spots they need help in. Yeah, that's a great point, and it kind of ties together everything that we've been talking about because from a football standpoint, if you um, put that hypothetical situation to me, I would say, all right, put Jalen Ramsey on Stephon Diggs and shut him down, put him on an island, and he's not going to have the three-touchdown game that he did. And then Adam Thielen on the other end, I would say, you know, put your top corner there, whoever's playing the best, whether it be Rasul Douglas or Sidney Jones um, for that game, and then have a safety overshadow them. But at the same time, we talked about this last week, Jim Schwartz wasn't doing that. He hasn't been doing that in the past. Double coverages, safety packages, whatever it may be. Jalen Ramsey wouldn't help at all. He'd take away one side of the field. But if you're not going to, you know, bolster the other side up a bit and put Malcolm Jenks or Rodney McLeod over there to help out, then you're really, you know, not getting rid of the whole problem, which just half the problem in offenses, good offenses would find a way to, you know, solve some that that solve that problem and work around it and still score those touchdowns. Yeah, even if you trade for Jalen Ramsey, Chris Harris, AJ Green, name whoever it is, it's not like the cornerback is gonna just shut down who they're uh going against for zero catches for zero yards. Jalen Ramsey gave up three catches for 69 yards last week. I think knowing the temper of Eagles fans, they would have been outraged if they traded all those picks and still gave up 69 yards. I know it's obviously not the same as giving up three touchdowns to one guy, but that's still pretty substantial where they're still somewhat getting their way. And then say with receiver, it's not like they're going to automatically catch 10 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns every game. So even if you make the big trade, it's not like these players are invincible. It's not like they're Hercules, where they're just going to come in and just shut everything down. So, yeah, 
it just like what we've been saying this whole time, it's 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 all a band-aid because with so many issues, you can only do so much with so many picks in. There there's not enough guys on the market and the Eagles aren't aggressive enough um to go out there and trade literally everything to try filling every spot. Especially since a lot of the guys on the market, they're kind of just like rentals. Chris Harris Jr. is a free agent after this year. Um Robbie Anderson's a free agent after this year. So even if you get some of those guys, you're just going to run into the same problem next year. And you can only do this for so long. At some point, you have to invest in young players. You have to be willing to maybe take some time through the process, kind of rebuild yourself and let yourself get back to the team that you wanted to be, except that maybe you tried doing it too soon, tried getting back too soon, because even the team last year, even though they made it to the to the divisional round, there's no way they would have won the Super Bowl against the Patriots considering that defense. So, yeah, it, they just got to realize that it's may, maybe have to be a slow process and just be smart and uh, be really just thorough in how you value everything and just try to get it right to make sure for the next 10 years you're doing well instead of just going on on this year and just sacrificing everything else. Yeah, definitely. And about the rentals, um, we've seen in the past that how he looks to bring in guys like that or just sign them for a one-year deal over the offseason just to you know try it out, maybe get that compensatory pick. But at the same time, they're not in the position to do that this year because one player on an um, expiring contract isn't going to make the difference for this team, and you're investing a future pick for somebody that's going to most likely walk in free agency when you try to you know improve your team as a whole and reinvent the offense and reinvent the defense like they did this past season. So... I'm not inclined to bring somebody in that's, you know, only going to have, um, what is it, you know, 10, nine games with the Eagles. So um, that's not something that should be on the table for them. And I wouldn't be too happy about it just because they have so many needs across the board. Um, we've mentioned countless positions right now. And one player, no matter how good they are, whether it be Jalen Ramsey, um, I know he's off the market, but say that trade happened, he's not going to be the difference maker and turn this team from average to a Super Bowl contender just by one move. Yeah, and I think if it'd be a little different of a story if they maybe had a really close loss to Minnesota, had a really close loss to Dallas, and they were right there but came up just short. If that were the case, I would be more inclined to say, yeah, sure, make the move. Maybe it will finally get you over the hump. You finally can be the team that's right there because – I mean, if you look at it, if Nelson Aguilar catches that pass, they win the game against the Falcons. If J.J. Ortega-Whiteside catches that pass against the Lions, they win that game. They're sitting here 5-2 and two right now, but said that doesn't happen. They're 3-4 and four is what it is. But you do have to look at what happened the last two weeks, and any trade you do is not going to make up for the 27 points you lost by the Cowboys or how many points they lost to um, to the Vikings. They're they're far away. Right now, they're far away. Things can change. Um we saw it last year, but you can't just assume they're going to figure it out. And like we said, a trade's not going to fix that. So if they were like just losing these games, if they were right there, I would say, yeah, go for the rental. Maybe it'll help. But just given the state of the team, there's no way. Yeah. In those past two weeks against the Vikings and the Cowboys, these are two weeks that the Eagles were expected to step up, make a statement, win, turn the season around. And although it has a lot to do with the players, I think one problem with this team is the accountability of leadership and just the passion on the field. And um, this is obviously a big topic, but I want to you know, touch on two things that were said this week. First of all, Colin Coward, I know a lot of people don't really agree with him, but I completely agree with this uh, statement in his one video that he posted. Um, I'll highlight a little bit of, you, of it uh, for you guys if you didn't catch it. But basically he was saying that um, the Eagles were – they're – 12 and one since the Super Bowl. They're almost a 500 team since they hoisted their first Lombardi trophy. They're um, completely defeated from the Cowboys. They're um, what 0 and three against the Cowboys after the Super Bowl. And he was making the statement how uh, the Eagles are turned into this team that, you know, went around, they had their parade for one Super Bowl. You know, they got it done once. And he said, the Patriots slogan is do your job. The Eagles is did our job once. And, they completely shut down after it. They're an average team since the Super Bowl. And although there's time for celebration, I think it was a little bit blown out of proportion. Um, he mentioned Doug Peterson going out and writing his book about how to be a great coach, how to be a great leader, how to win Super Bowls. Lane Johnson went out and started lecturing people. Players went on talk show um, talk shows and talked about how their preparation really paid off and 
I understand that the Eagles went through so much adversity and they deserve every single diamond that's on that ring that they all won. But at the same time, I feel like um, they're definitely regretting taking investment in their team and their coaching staff and everything that um, was depleted after that Super Bowl because they were spent too much time celebrating and now it's really coming back to haunt them and they have really nothing to back it up for. And then uh, just yesterday, two days ago, Brian Westbrook was on a talk show and he said the Eagles are, are too soft. Harry Roseman is, or um, Doug Peterson is too soft and there's just no fire in this team. Obviously, he's been in the Eagles organization. He knows what it takes to succeed with a football team. And he just showed um, the fact that the Eagles aren't doing the right things in the locker room, on the field. And it really needs to change if they want to be a good football team. Yeah, for sure. There's just so many issues going on with the Eagles dating back to Super Bowl coming to now, it almost seems like they're just giving themselves the free pass saying, oh, well, we won the Super Bowl two years ago. Um, we're this great team. They they did win a playoff game last year. I'll give them that. But even last season, you can't say that everything was all good and great and they just happened to lose a playoff game. They have real issues. You have guys in the locker room being anonymous sources saying that they have issues with their star quarterback. They have issues with their GMs. And maybe these issues are valid. Maybe it is true. Maybe Carson Wentz does need to check the ball down more. Maybe it is BS that Howie Roseman didn't trade for Jalen Ramsey, but at the end of the day, those are problems that have to be between you and your team, not running out and trying to make a story out of something. And I completely, from just from a journalist standpoint, from a reporter standpoint, I totally understand wanting to make that story. And I, I don't blame it on Josephine Anderson at all, but just the fact that it gets to that situation where the Eagles allow it to get there, it almost seems like there's no accountability within the building. It seems like they just say, oh, well, this the Super Bowl happened, so we're all great and like, if you look at the Patriots, for example, um, they won Super Bowls with Jamie Collins, let him go, traded him away. You look at other guys, they're never complacent. They're never sitting there saying, well, we won a Super Bowl with this guy, so we got to keep him around. Like, if you look at Brandon Graham, for example, I'm definitely happy he's back. I really advocated saying they made a good job re-signing him, but maybe they should have gone for a younger guy knowing how old the team is. Maybe they should have gone in, in a different direction, and you just have all these issues, and you really have to wonder just, when, when do you have to cut the line and just say, all right, enough's enough, we have to fix this. And if, if you let it drag on for too long, it's going to become such a big issue where you really can't come back from it. And they, they have to be careful and they have to really just sit down and say, all right, we got to fix this or else there's really no coming back from it. Yeah, I think the Eagles organization plays the loyalty card a little bit too much. They bring back Jason Peters for another year. They bring back Darren Sproles for another year. Um, two guys that missed out on the Super Bowl because of injury and they were thinking – hey, if we have this stacked team, we want these guys to be involved and um, have big roles so they can get that ring. Or they already have one, but they can earn this one. Um, they bring back Deshaun Jackson, looked like a great move, but um, it was really just for a homecoming. You know, He wasn't going to be the wide receiver of the future, obviously at that age and those injury concerns that he's had um, so far in his career and obviously this one that he has right now. And, uh, you know, Brandon Graham, guys like that, they could have went elsewhere. And um, going back to Coward's video, he made one great metaphor. Um, he was saying that the Eagles are turned into, you know, the 44-year-old man that's in the neighborhood talking about how he scored four touchdowns in one game in his high school uh, varsity game. You know, the Eagles have been bashing other fan bases for doing stuff like this. You know, uh, you get the Cowboys every single time you criticize them. You're like, they're like, oh, um, how many Super Bowls do you have? And it seems like now the Eagles are kind of shifting into that fan base because they have nothing to back it up now. They have a great quarterback. They have um, a lot going for them. They're just not pulling it together. But the one thing they do have is a Super Bowl in the past two years. So, I mean, great for them. I'll always remember that. But, you know, you got to start living in the present. You got to start making things happen. And uh, one big thing about this team, and I think it starts with the coordinators, um, Doug Peterson, obviously, needs to take a lot of blame for this, but the two of their offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator first with Mike grow. Um, he really didn't come across the right way with me last year when the Eagles traded for golden Tate and really wasn't going the way that fans expected it to do because he's a dynamic player. Great with the yards after catch, but he really wasn't doing anything for the team his first few games. And he basically stared the media in the eyes and said, I just don't know how to incorporate him. I mean, that's a terrible answer when you're bringing in a player that can be beneficial to every single offense in the league because of his versatility and what he can do with the ball in his hands. And you're saying you don't know how to incorporate him. Then 
that's not the guy that should be running your entire offense. Maybe you can have him uh, a role as you know a lower down coach, but the offensive coordinator and he can't incorporate Golden Tate, your offense is not going to play well. And then this week, he said that Nelson Aguilar's effort should not be questioned after that missed deep ball to the um, for from Carson Wentz late in the Dallas game. He was tracking it. I mean, you can see his eyes in the video. He had that ball, reached his arms out, and then pulled them away, and the ball fell almost right on his foot. And then you see Matt Collins uh, get thrown in the uh, conversation and said that, you know, he's been in a ton of snaps, hasn't really been producing. What's up with him? And he just says, oh, I think he ran some nice routes. I think anybody can run some nice routes. I mean, this guy does not have any accountability for his offensive players. He doesn't have the offensive mind that the Eagles need to pull things together. They have the talent. If you look at the Eagles' offense, you put those names out there, they should be playing well. It doesn't matter what what, uh, injury hits them, whether it be Deshaun Jackson, Jason Peters, what have you. They have the pieces, but it just starts with the coaching, and that's what's ruining this team. Yeah, I think it really comes down to experience. I don't I don't really think Mike Groh was ready to take on such a big role of being the offensive coordinator when um when Frank Reich left because, you know, he, he was within the organization, but I mean it, you can tell just right away the struggles that they had with him. Golden Tate, he was one of the best receivers last year before he got traded to the Eagles and he fell off the face of the earth. Really his that trade was known for literally one play that won them the game against the Bears in the playoffs, but Outside of that, he was non-existent, and Mike Rowe, I mean, that's another one where you just got to question the front office and say, what are you doing? Like, why did you hire him as offensive coordinator? You have Deuce Staley right there, who's been with the team for so long that he's been advocating trying to get that job, and he passed over him. Uh, We don't know if it would have been better with Deuce Staley in the picture of offensive coordinator, but really can't be much worse because if you look at the team on paper before this season, I know you don't play football on paper, but all these guys that they had really had proven – themselves as players in the NFL that they're capable players if you ask the majority of um, people before the season saying oh who are the top five best teams in the NFL the Eagles are going to be in that conversation every single time and now all of a sudden if you say oh who are the top five uh, most disappointing teams this year the Eagles are going to be in there 100% of the time and that really does fall on the shoulders of Mike Rowe um, front office everybody and it just I think the Eagles just mistake themselves for what they are they're still they're still a team that needs to prove themselves more and this kind of dates back to the Super Bowl conversation but you can't just say oh we, we did this so this is who we are you have to prove yourself year after year after year that's why the Patriots don't lose because you know every every game they come and saying we got to win this game not saying oh well we're three and four we're one game out of the division if we get a win we're right there no it shouldn't be oh if we do this we're good it should be just go out and do it you don't even talk about it you just go out and play and win it's as simple as that and it's just not there with the Eagles. They they just really mistake themselves for what they are, and they really need to just look in the mirror and fix that. Yeah, well said. And going back to Doug Peterson's autobiography where he talked about everything is that, that he went through throughout his life as a player, as a coach, he um, let readers go through the his mindset after Frank Wright got the head coaching job with the Colts. You know, He was put into a situation where he had to replace one of the best offensive coordinators out there right now um, Reich is a phenomenal coach, head coach for the Colts, and he's doing a really good job there. So he had big shoes to fill, and it was up to him and uh, the other coaches, Hire Roseman, to bring in somebody that was going to fill that void. And he said that because they were coming off of a Super Bowl, he believed in in-house promotion. So that means he wanted to bring somebody in from that staff that was with the Super Bowl team and promote them to be offensive coordinator. And I get it. That does make sense because every single person from the players, the coaches, the front office, down to you know the trainers, the cooking staff, everything, everybody contributes to that Super Bowl ring. But at the same time, nobody other than Doug Peterson and Frank Reich were capable of running that offense. Mike Groh is a wide receivers coach, and all of a sudden you promote him to be offensive coordinator. Deuce Staley was in the conversation, and he did get a bit of a promotion, and he was going to help run the offense and not just be the running backs coach, but... He doesn't have as much of a say as Mike Groh does, and um, both of those guys were with a team before and not really in a role before that um, was running the entire offense. So that was definitely troubling to see. I think Doug Peterson's nice guy approach to it really didn't pay off for the Eagles, and they're regretting it now. Whether they address this in season, after the season, next year, whatever it may be, it needs to be done. And uh, just 
uh, Mike Rowe and the Eagles are just falling on their face because he doesn't know how to run the offense, and it's really coming back to bite them. And uh, going back to Doug Peterson and bringing Carson Wentz into this, these are the, the two undisputed leaders of this team, the head coach and the quarterback, and they started at the same time with the Eagles. They should be in it to win it every single week, having this bond between them. And it seems like every single loss that they have, whether it be a loss by two points or a loss by 28 points, they always go to the media and say, look, I got to look myself in the mirror. I got to take this responsibility on myself. I'm done with that. It doesn't make sense to say that every single week. You're the leader of this team. You two run this organization. You got to change it yourself. You got to put the accountability on yourself with other players. You can't just say, I'm going to take this one. I mean, yeah, it's good that they're going to correct their mistakes, but what about, you know, the wide receiver that didn't put any effort into that ball that you threw perfectly? What about the running back who couldn't find that hole? What about the offensive line that couldn't um, block you and, you know, led to a strip sack? You got to put that on those players, whether it be um, in the locker room, which I highly recommend because you don't want that going to the media. But however it's said, it needs to be said. They can't just go every single week saying, all right, we got to be better. I don't see any um, valid excuse to not bring that up to the team and show, you know, this is what everybody needs to do. You got um, Julio Jones stepping up for his team uh, in the Falcons locker room after they lost this week. And Dan Quinn was talking about the game and he said, you know, this is our leader. This is who we need to stand behind. I need to step up. You all need to step up. That's what the Eagles need. They can't just say every single week, I'm going to look myself in the mirror. Like that's, that goes um, fine after, you know, a couple losses after the Super Bowl. But to your two years removed from that Super Bowl game, you're looking like you're not going to be making the playoffs right now. You need to step up and have some accountability elsewhere. Yeah, that's a great point. I want to touch back on uh, what you said about Doug Peterson being a nice guy. I kind of think that's why, a lot of these issues happen is he's such a uh, player-friendly coach where sometimes that can be good, but sometimes it can backfire because at times Doug Peterson loves his players so much that he's really not willing to put them in their place and say, hey, you need to stop doing this. You need to figure it out or else we're just going to move on from you. It almost seems like that they're scared to really directly address something. They would rather just say, oh, we're going to look ourselves in the mirror. That was like the 30th time I've heard them say that over the last two seasons. After the Titans mm-hmm. game when they blew that lead, they said, we're going to look ourselves in the mirror. After the Panthers game, they said that. After the Dallas game yesterday, they said it. And, I mean, they've been looking at themselves in the mirror for a year and a half now. At some point, <laughs> you got to get tired of yourself saying that. you got to get annoyed with the reflection you see and be willing to change it. And The mirror's Doug not Peter- pretty either. Yeah. And, like, Doug Peterson, he hears the noise of the anonymous source, all these things. And you would think as the head coach, he would stomp his foot and say, hey, everyone shut up and play football and win games. So instead of saying, oh, we're dealing with it. And it's clearly not being dealt with because this is a weekly thing now where you have at least one player complaining. You have players going after other players in the media, just all this stuff. And that that falls directly on the head coach. And that's where Doug Peterson needs to realize you can be a player's coach, but you can't, you have to kind of keep yourself on a higher level from the players and realize you're the coach and you're in control of of them. The players aren't in control of Doug Peterson. It kind of seems like that's what it is. The players have completely free reign of what they want to do. And Doug Peterson's just saying, oh, well, it's going to happen. This is a team. We're going to try fixing it, but there's no fixing it. And Doug Peterson needs to realize you can't be a nice guy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> if you want if you want to win, you have to say we're going to win. And if you don't want to do that, you got to go. And there's just that mentality is not there within the organization right now. Mm-hmm. Peterson prides himself on having a good team culture, which he did have his first couple of years with the team. But now it seems like it's kind of falling apart with these anonymous media sources that have been leaked a little bit um but just also it it's one thing to be a good coach and be a good leader but you need help from your players that's something that the eagles really benefited from in the super bowl run because they had so many players that could step up and when times got tough they were there to back him up um whoever it may be but this year it seems like nobody's stepping up other than carson wentz for being a leader and sometimes you know his leadership is a little bit questioned because he just gets a little bit you know, too frustrated and doesn't know how to handle it because nobody's giving him help. And it seems like Wentz, um, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Malcolm Jenkins, whoever it may be, those big leaders on the team, Fletcher Cox uh, left that off the list. 
but those players that are supposed to be the team leaders and they're not stepping up, you don't see them in the media saying, here's here's our plan of action, here's what we're going to do. They just kind of let things brush by. They get frustrated. They're not talking through their teammates on the sidelines about how to help things, um, how to get it better. The leaders have been non-existent. And it seems like what I've heard from uh, reporters on like Twitter and, and articles, the vibe in the locker room has always been pretty negative. And Lane Johnson even said that in the locker room, the problems are starting there. It's all ego-based, and it's not like leaders are stepping up and controlling this team and helping them succeed, helping them play well. It's always just been lethargic, and they're not. It's it comes from that, you know. The Eagles won a Super Bowl with so many players on IR, so many key players on IR, but they won because they had the strong coaching staff, but they also had strong leaders. They could pull every everything together, play with that chemistry, play with that. Uh, adrenaline and I know Logan said it it runs out but they had other stuff to back it up but this year they don't have the adrenaline and they don't have anything to back it up without that yeah definitely I, I want to shift the conversation just a little bit about something you mentioned with Carson Wentz where it seems like he's the only leader uh, stepping up right now another thing I noticed is it almost seems like literally the pressure of the entire team all the responsibilities are being placed on top of Carson Wentz and Malcolm Jenkins for some reason said something really interesting this week he mentioned how when Nick Foles it seems like seemed like everything was simplified and everything went more smoothly everything was just going better and now Carson Wentz is there and everything seems like it's a mess I know from myself when I watch the games you can tell Doug Peterson the offense they really simplified everything for Nick Foles they made RPOs there at his disposal they they just made the offense easier where any quarterback's gonna be able to do and it was successful and then you throw Carson Wentz in there and they literally just say, hey, here's the ball. Do what you're going to do. Your first-round pick, you're supposed to be good. Go out and play. And they really don't help him out. They put him in these tough situations where they made the game so hard for him. They literally put everything on top of Carson Wentz where he he's not Superman. No quarterback is going to be able to just go out there and play and beat everyone without any help from the coaches or the players. And it, it, it'll only go so far. And they're going to risk burning out Carson Wentz if they keep doing this because, like I said, he can only do so much. And I don't, I just don't get why they can't simplified things for Carson Wentz we both agree he's a great quarterback but nobody can take on that much it does need to be simplified uh for him and as a leader he's having to do everything and on the field he has to do everything I think that's partially why they're not as successful because they're just putting him in a really bad spot and now you can see throughout the entire team no one else is performing because they're expecting him to do it for them instead of going out and doing it themselves yeah definitely if you're to pick a word to um talk about Nick Foles' offense in the Eagles organization, it was simple. You know, they ran the RPOs. They had simple quick passes. Yeah, they threw in, you know, the deep ball every once in a while. But overall, it was pretty simple. You know, Doug Pearson even admitted he cut down the playbook significantly. They looked back at his film um, back with a year that he had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions and saw, you know, what did you do well? Okay, let's do that again and consistently do it over and over again throughout the game. Carson Wentz, I wouldn't say it's the complete opposite because the opposite of simple is complex. This offense is not complex at all. We, um, you know, harped on that a little bit in the previous podcast. They're not having any creativity in this offense like they did with Carson Wentz in 2017. That's not the word I would use. I agree with Logan. I would, um, the word I would use would be open. You know, they're giving Carson Wentz the plays, but um, they're adding another dimension to it. They're kind of saying to him or even if they're not saying it to him, he's under the impression that um, you get to do what you want. When the ball's in your hand, if the um, play isn't developing as you want, you know, es- escape. Do what you need. Hold the ball a little bit longer. And, yeah, that's when he makes some of his best plays. But the offense isn't going to benefit when every single time he has to evade pressure, um, run out of the pocket, try to make a throw on the run. He's great when he does that. But at the same time, I would love to see a little bit more um, quick passes that are developed nicely for him and the offense and um, not just quick plays that are just check downs and frustrating the entire offense because when you see Carson Wentz on third down you know plays drawn up for him to you know throw five yards and they don't get the first down or they fumble it away obviously it's frustrating for him and I think he could step up a little bit in this position but you got to understand where he's coming from when the camera shifts back to him in the backfield you know he's ripping his helmet straps um He's getting frustrated. He's yelling. He's you know pumping his fist because he's getting super frustrated. And back on the sideline, they don't show him every single second that he's there. I understand that. So it's a little bit of speculation. But 
He's not, you know, over talking to his teammates all the time. He's not having a connection with Alshon or Zach Ertz. He's just kind of standing there waiting for his turn and hoping that it gets better next time. And I think I talked about this before, but, um, you know, if you're putting everything on your quarterback to do everything in his will to make it work and it's not working, then you're losing him too. You know, he's not going to be an effective leader if you're saying, do whatever you do, do whatever you want to do. And then when he does, balls are getting dropped, fumbles are happening um he gets sacked whatever it may be you know you're not going to have as a as an effective leader from Carson Wentz because you're putting him in a terrible situation yeah for sure and we kind of touched on this a little bit last week but you really don't want to put Carson Wentz in that situation like Aaron Rodgers where he's out there and he has to do everything but you're kind of wasting the talent you're not putting him in the best situation possible and if you just look at the personnel of the Eagles offense you have Alshon Jeffrey big body receiver Zach Ertz, big body receiver. Dallas Goddard, big body receiver. Nelson Aguilar, who's really good in the intermediate game. Shifty, fast, can do what he wants. And you would think then you would do a ton of RPOs, a lot of short passing games. And I know you signed Carson Wentz to this giant contract, but it's kind of like what I harped on before, where sometimes you have to be willing to not, it's not wrong that they extended Carson Wentz, but maybe say, okay, well, given the state of the team, we can't force him to go out there and play like this kind of guy because it's just physically impossible. Do the short passing game. Do what it takes to just put points on the board, help out your defense, have long drives, and just slowly make your way down there and get it done, and it'll work out. They have the pieces on offense to make it work. You can throw a slant to Alshon Jeffrey five times in a row. You can throw an out route to Zacharys. You can throw a post to Nelson Aguilar where you're not throwing it 60 yards downfield and he's, quote-unquote, losing in the lights. Like, you have the guys there, and you just have to make it work. Um, just another thing that just came out, but the Eagles placed Hassan Ridgeway on um, injured reserve. So now if you look at defense, it's almost like Fletcher Cox will be in a summer spot with Carson Wentz where he's going to have to do a lot of stuff now with Ridgeway out for until week 16. We'll have Jernigan back for a while, so maybe a trade has to come. But, man, a lot of guys are being put in really tough spots, and it's kind of hard to criticize them for not producing because it's really hard for anyone to do well in that spot. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like the leaders um, across the team are coming from the worst positional groups right now. Obviously, the quarterback is in a bad positional group, but it's running a terrible offense. So Carson Wentz is feeling the frustration. Alshon Jeffrey leading the um, wide receiver group is definitely a frustration because that's not improving the way it should be. Malcolm Jenkins is leading the secondary. The secondary has been terrible, so he's getting frustrated, not being an effective leader. Same with Fletcher Cox. You know, they were supposed to be with the best defensive line group in the league having um four amazing defensive tackles to you know play with every single week and then now it's down to just him you're losing um Hassan Ridgeway Malik Jackson and Tim Jernigan so it's definitely frustrating and going back to what Logan said about the offense if you're trying to play to Carson Wentz's strengths and letting him do what he wants and um you know developing the play as he will you got to play the strengths of every single receiver you can't just give them simple routes that they're not going to get open with and um, make Carson Wentz determine it all. If you want to give Carson Wentz the freedom, then you got to give Jeffrey the route that he's going to excel at. Give Nelson the route that he's going to excel at. Obviously, you need to put guys in the position that they're not really comfortable with sometimes. With uh, You saw Nelson run the deep route against Dallas, same with Zach Ertz, and um, they could have happened if you know Zach Ertz was in bounds or Nelson Aguilar reached his arms out to catch a football. But um, you need to start playing to the strengths of every single player on this team. You can't just put it all on Carson Wentz and just expect everything to come together. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what happened in the Super Bowl season. You know, every single player at every single spot was perfectly made for them. Like Garrett Blunt, who's always used in the short yard spots. He was used at the goal line. J.J. kind of more at midfield where they could use a big play and he would come in for them and do it. Alshon Jeffrey give, put in spots where he can use his big body to, to his advantage. Torrey Smith in the deep game where now it's just kind of like you just do whatever the play draws up and the plays that are drawn up just do not help anyone out. It Because it, in that situation, it's just easy to say, oh, well, we have to do our job, but you can't do your job if that's not kind of what you signed up for. You know, Nelson Aguilar isn't a deep ball threat, so you can't force him to go out there and say, hey, you're a deep ball threat. You're going to do it. It doesn't work like that. Like, I know guys are supposed to produce when they have the chance, but it, it can only get you so far making someone do something they're not comfortable with. And you're not just going to automatically become comfortable with something because someone's hurt or someone's not producing as well. So yeah, it's, 
it's a very difficult situation. And like we've said multiple times now, it really does fall on the coaching staff and they just need to realize this. You know, I've said this multiple times on multiple podcasts. They have to be willing to accept that they're wrong about something, just change it for the better, better the team. Put your pride to the side and just be willing to do what it takes to win. If you really care that much about winning, you don't care who's wrong. You don't care who did the right thing, who did the wrong thing, because at the end of the day, if you win, you win. That's all that matters. All the other stuff goes away. We're not sitting here having an hour-long rant about how bad things are. Instead, we're saying, oh, they're playing so well. Should they make a big trade right now? But instead, it's saying, oh, everyone's messing up. They need to figure it out or else the season's going to be a waste. And at this point, it's getting really close to that. Yeah, the problems are all across the board. Obviously, the players aren't producing, but it starts with the coaching staff. It starts with the team leaders. Everything needs to be uh, more accountable. You know, have the players step up when they need to be have the coaches take accountability for their mistakes, but also put that pressure on the players to be better. But they have a chance to, you know, bring things back together this week against the Buffalo Bills. They're traveling to Buffalo this Sunday, and they have a chance to go back to 500 on the season, four and four, obviously not flashy and not where anybody expected them to be. I didn't even see them um, losing more than four games this entire season. But, um, you know, right now you just got to win every week that you can and you know take it week by week and this is a great opportunity to get back on track make a statement win against a good defense so uh, to wrap things up Logan what's your bold prediction and score prediction for this game uh my bold prediction will be the Eagles defense does step up and they hold the Bills to under 300 yards um it's it's definitely uh kind of on the bolder side considering the troubles on the defense but you know the Bills really struggled with the Dolphins last week and I think they'll, this will be a good opportunity for them to just kind of step up and say, all right, maybe we do have a chance of being a good team this year. So my bold prediction is that the Eagles defense holds the Bills to under uh, 300 yards, and I, I think the Eagles win 19-17. to 17. Yeah, I like that there. Um, I finally got my first bold prediction. It came in a blowout loss, but uh, I predicted that Jalen Mills was going to get an interception and before Jalen Ramsey, so both of those came true. So <laughs> that was pretty good to see. Um, that was one positive takeaway from the game, but – I'll be looking to, you know, get another one here. And I think Dallas Goddard and Carson Wentz are, you know, starting a great connection together. Obviously, he had that fumble, but Wentz threw a great touchdown pass to him. And I think this connection is really going to start developing over the season. And I think they're going to connect for two touchdowns this uh, week against the Bills. And the Bills have a strong safety duo with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. But I think Zach Ertz will take a lot of uh, pressure off Dallas Goddard, attract the you know, the likes of those safeties. So hopefully Dallas Goddard can get involved um, in those two safeties or uh, two tight end sets and get open in the end zone and be a red zone threat. And I think he's going to be the only one that scores touchdowns for the Eagles. I'm predicting this 17 to 10 win for the Eagles. I think they will come out on top, but it's still going to be another struggling game. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't expect this to be a pretty win. This is one of those games where just get the win, come out however you come out, just make sure you get the win, just get it done. And with Dallas Goddard, I mean, we saw just like, a sliver of what he's able to do last week against the Cowboys. He had that long touchdown from Carson Wentz, and he really can't be the X factor in the offense because everyone's going to focus on Alshon and focus on Zach Ertz when Deshaun Jackson comes back, focus on him. So it will open up a lot for Dallas Goddard. And this is really, really one of those games where they need him to step up. And um, he really should be a top option for Carson Wentz this week to get things going. Just like I said, get the win any way you can. Yeah, and right now the Eagles don't, or Carson Wentz doesn't really have a receiver to trust. You know, all the receivers have been having issues. So if he has a connection with Dallas Goddard right now and he can ride into this upcoming game, then I think it's going to be a great game to capitalize on that and get something going that's going to be strong throughout the season. So predicting a good game out of um, Dallas Goddard. Carson Wentz, I'm not sure if he's going to produce a great stat line just because it's going to be low scoring, in my opinion, and against a very tough defense, but hopefully they'll come away with a win, get back to 500 um, on the season. They won't be um, competing with the Cowboys yet, but uh, get back in that conversation and try to, you know, um, string together a couple more wins on the uh, next stretch of the cu- couple of games. They have the Bears before the bye week, but going to the bye week with two more wins and a lot of rest for your players would be huge for the season. Yeah, for sure. And this game Sunday, like I said, will go a really long way to determining really how the trade deadline could go for the Eagles. So if they win, um, I would expect the trade to happen. If they lose, I'd be a lot more pessimistic about them doing anything at the deadline. 
yeah, definitely a big X factor for that. So they're playing for a win, but they're also playing for the future of the season. So definitely lots to look into. And, you know, they're, the trade rumors haven't been um, swirling around like we expected. So I think that's when High Rosen works best, when people don't know what he's doing. So we'll just have to see what happens. If they get a win, then I think something might come to fruition and help this team out in the couple, next couple of games. So we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, hopefully the Eagles can, you know, shore up their coaching problems and put together a great game plan and game scheme against the bills, get that win, go back to 500 and, you know, spark a fire under these players and team leaders to go into the next um, stretch of the season and try to get a few more wins and try to get into those playoffs. So a lot to improve on, but obviously we're always confident in our Eagles and think that they're going to do the best thing to succeed no matter how many times they bring us down. So um, you always got to, be um, optimistic about this team and organization we know what they're capable of and hopefully they can understand that and um, you know come to reach their full potential as a team and get some guys back from injuries but in the meantime we'd like to thank you guys for listening to this uh, topic today about the trades and the accountability in the locker room and uh, across the team really a lot of stuff to talk about but we just hope that the eagles can you know shore up those problems in-house and develop a better team uh, as a whole and, you know, bring this season that's, you know, falling apart into a successful season. And they have a great chance to do that this week. So, again, thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe and tune in next time to never miss another Birds banter. And go Birds.